worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. They'll eat your guts and spit them out. And when your bones begin to rot, the worms remain, but you do not. So don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by. For someday you'll be next in line. And when death brings his cold despair, ask yourself, will anyone care? Macabre may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. (laughs) And then I thought about it. I was like, I don't think I've ever hiccuped on an episode yet. So, but then just (laughs) now I'm like, what are the fucking ads I just did? (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, I just did a drive by cheese board sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, sorry. (laughs) Didn't mean to make you almost ruin your microphone. No, that's okay. We had a a cheese board last night. My husband makes the best cheese boards, but we always make extra. Yes. So there's always like a little bit left over. So there's like um, oven baked bread and then there's (gasps) um, some really good cheddar and um, he has like garlic oil and um, what else? Uh, There was something else. Oh, salami. Freaking salami. So I just like ran through the kitchen, like grabbed a couple of things out of the fridge and just shoved them in my face. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that sounds so fucking good. (laughs) I love making me hungry. I do too. (laughs) It's so early. It's like nine o'clock in the morning. I don't care. (laughs) Cheese boards every time of the day. Yeah, there there is no inappropriate time for a cheese board. (laughs) I would get up at three a.m. to munch on it. Yeah, so good. (laughs) So good. Oh, that's awesome. So what do we what do we got today? Mm. On this hometown macabre episode, we have to give a huge thank you to Tamson B for recommending this. I had never heard of this before until uh she had recommended it to us. And this Me takes either. Place- yeah. And I mean this is a pretty uh this yeah. might be some trigger warnings for people. So seriously, not for the faint of heart by any means, um, because it gets a little graphic. And so hopefully when you're listening to this, you aren't going to be munching on any cheese boards because you're not going to want it. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe. I mean, depending on the cheese board, but just kidding. Um, tasty <laughs> cheese. Um, but this takes place in my home state of Wisconsin. And it was actually not that long ago. It took place in the 90s. So This is crazy to me. Yeah. I grew up in the Midwest, too. And I, when you sent this to me, I just was completely shocked. And how have I never heard yeah. of this case? It, it is insane to me uh, that I have not heard of it. I, I really don't know. You know, I kind of want to ask around and see, like, ask my family, like, have you ever heard of this before? Like, when I was, I was alive when this happened. Like, was this, you know, do I remember maybe hearing something about this on the news back in the day? But, um, yeah. So, I, I did more digging on this after this was recommended. And there is actually some videos that you can find where um our main 
victim we're going to talk about, uh, he will, we'll get to it. Um, but he was interviewed. Um, and it is just horrifying to know that this, the kid that did it was only 17. What was his kind of calling? Like what was he, what did the media title him as? They called him the Baraboo Bone Breaker. And Baraboo is a place? Yes. Baraboo is a place in southern bone Wisconsin. Breaker. Yeah. It's Why? roughly, it's just over two hours from where I grew up. Okay. Um, and it, it's closer to Madison. So, but it, it's southern Wisconsin. And yeah, um, this kid was only 17, but we're going to get into it. Uh, the way this builds up in the accounts are just crazy. So on July 29th of 1995, 13-year-old Thad Phillips was sleeping on the couch in their brand new home. They had only lived there for two weeks in Baraboo, Wisconsin, and the family had just recently moved. Everything was still, you know, not you know, fully feeling at home. So they were sleeping on the couch. They had fallen asleep, him and his sister, like they usually do, uh, watching TV. And most of the time, his dad would pick him up off the couch and take him to bed. So when he felt that feeling of somebody picking him up off of the couch, he thought exactly that, that it was his dad. And that way he was just going to take him to bed. He was really disoriented when he was first waking up, and he started to realize that he was being taken outside. Oh, no. And this was not a familiar person. It was an older teenage boy. Could you imagine? You're just, like, so disoriented waking up on the couch, and then when you finally come to, like, you're staring at someone's face that you don't recognize, and what do you do? Right. Exactly. And I mean, because they had recently moved, you know, uh, and we'll kind of talk about this too, but Thad thought it was like a family friend or something that needed help. And he thought that it was having to do with car troubles, which um, we will talk about that. So when Thad kind of came to, he was like, what the, you know, and this boy seemed really friendly and he was telling him that he was taking him to a party. And he even mentioned people that Thad went to school with. So he thought, oh, okay, well, this kind of seems legitimate then because you just named off people I knew from school. So he said, where's your car? And he goes, oh, it's just over, you know, the hill. So he thought, oh, well, maybe he needed help with fixing it or something. So after... Thad was trying to figure out that part of it. The boy asked him to run. And Thad was still like really confused and really sleepy. So he just went with whatever this kid was telling him to do. And they ended up back at this kid's home. And he claimed that he lived there with his brother. Now we're going to probably get into that a little bit later too. Once they were inside and a little more comfortable, the boy introduced himself as Joe, 
which we now know his name is Joe Clark. Hmm. He's a seven- that he gave him a real name. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it gets even more creepy with how this kid snaps back and forth between like a Jekyll and Hyde type situation. Uh, Joel Clarkson was only 17 at the time. And he had said, you know, Thad was asking like, okay, where is everybody then? And uh, Joe had said, well, the party's starting soon. We're just the first ones to arrive. And he named off the kids again. And it was people that Thad knew. So in the meantime, he asked if Thad had wanted to check out some cool model cars upstairs. So they started talking about cars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for a while, things seemed fine. Uh, Joel was really friendly. Uh, They were having a good conversation, I guess, about cars. And so Thad followed him upstairs, unaware that he was about to be in for it. Once Thad was upstairs, Clark completely shedded that friendly persona like that. Yikes. And you're going to see that throughout this whole account that this was exactly how he acted all of the time. He grabbed Thad and threw him on the dirty bed and he jumped on him. Uh, again, not for the faint of heart here. <laughs> um, there, it It's going to get very graphic. So I... Don't be eating your cheese boards uh, or any lunches or any food. Um, this is this might make some people a little queasy. And just maybe not the right episode if you aren't prepared for. Yes. It's sadistic, I would say. Um, yes. Violent. Definitely. Um, and maybe a little ASMR. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. I mean the the name Baraboo Bonebreaker really it the story is living up to the title that he was given for sure. Ugh. Um so he began to twist that's foot around his leg until the bone above his ankle snapped and splintered. Thad was more in shock at this point than anything else. So he wasn't feeling all of the pain yet. He leapt off of the bed and tried to run down the stairs on his broken leg, but Clark quickly caught up with him. And then Thad suffered further severe injuries, including punches and kicks until he could no longer fight him off. Uh, How much force do you have to have? I mean, I understand this kid is not, he's probably not very big. He's right. He's not fully grown. But still, um, like, yeah. And then not only that, but just, I guess, me just being a true crime nerd, it's not just the bone that would have been mm-hmm. damaged, all the soft tissues, the ligaments, all those yep. things. Oh, I tell you what, when you, I don't know, I mean, people who've been in accidents and had tra- trauma, like, it's crazy how your brain will just immediately shut off the pain. Mm hmm because then you're in survival mode and then it's like how long what is the period of time that that lasts before it creeps back in right exactly and it's funny that you brought that up because that 
that is definitely going to be playing into what we find out later. And, uh, oh, yeah, just wait till you oh, hear no. about, yeah, it's not good. Uh, uh, in an interview, Thad had said he most vividly remembered the feeling of the friction in the bone, uh, how it, it broke. He could feel that break like- and them rubbing together um in in the leg and we'll we'll, we'll get to it uh, he, when he tried to get away the pain didn't really um you know how do you even put that mute the sensation of the rubbing of the bones together it never really took that away he could feel that all the time and for that being something it i've you know uh, knock on wood, I've never had a broken bone, but when you're not, when you're firstly in shock about this entire thing taking place, and then on top of it, feeling a sensation in your body that is not normal, I would be freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Um. So after that initial attack uh, that broke Thad's leg near the ankle, Clark threw him on the couch downstairs and dad was trying to figure out how to get out of there at that point. And Clark had told him that he wouldn't tell, or I'm sorry, that was mixed up. Um, He told Clark that he wouldn't tell anyone what had happened and that he would say that he tripped over a table, but Clark was like, no one is going to believe you. So he wasn't being, successful with trying to just get out of there because after that happened as soon as you know he was on the couch joe was back to being friendly joe whoa yeah and so thad kept trying to reason with clark and he asked him like why why are you doing this and clark had said that he enjoyed the sound and the feeling of breaking bones whenever he wanted. Ooh. And he, he said that he had done something like this before two times. Well, and then my brain is like, how many animals did he injure yeah. or harm? Because, you know, it starts there. It starts. Mm-hmm. It definitely, yeah, that would have been a warning sign. Um, and we'll probably get into that a little bit later too on like, at no time were there any other people in the house when this was going on. And this was a matter of days and his parents weren't around. His parent brother was never around. Uh, Joe Clark did have a girlfriend and apparently she did come over briefly at one point during this span, but she never knew that he was there because, mm. yeah, they were downstairs and he was upstairs. And yeah. Um, but yeah, he kept telling that that he just loved the sound and the feeling of a breaking bone. And Thad had asked, well, why haven't have you ever like tried to do this to yourself if you love it so much? And he's like, yeah, but 
I can't get the angle right on my own bones, is what he told Thad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, in between these attacks, Thad and Clark uh, kind of had this surface-level friendship. And Clark, when he wasn't in these moods, was pretty friendly. And during the downtime, Clark would carry the boy to the couch so that the pair of them could watch movies together. And he would talk to Thad like nothing was wrong and like nothing was going on. This kid was just sitting there with this traumatic break and torn just the whole time just sitting there. Like how Mm -hmm. long did this, how long of a time frame was this? It was 43 hours. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it gets worse because, um, so (laughs) when another, the next one, which was, mm, this one was pretty bad. So not long after they would sit down and watch movies, uh, Clark had spoke about his family and his car and how he lived with his brother and in this filthy house and clearly there were things that were going on like nobody was there there was clearly some signs of neglect going on even though he was 17 you know that this wasn't something that was just starting to happen this probably was his whole childhood so that might play into some of this as well Mm um and like i had said before so Joe had a girlfriend and she had come over and that was the only person that had been in that house during this time, but she didn't know he was there. And Thad would later report that he was half conscious on the ground upstairs when she was over. So he didn't really know what was going on. The, the rest of the torture that was coming on occurred randomly. And it would always be when Clark got in these weird snaps. So Clark reportedly mistreated that as a way to manage his daily frustrations. And when he was frustrated, he would just snap. And at one point, the one that really damaged that the most was Clark's car wasn't starting and he couldn't get it to turn on. He couldn't fix it. So he came upstairs And he was telling Thad about how frustrated he was about this. And he got so angry that he twisted Thad's leg until, both legs, I should say, until they both splintered and they broke his knees. Oh, my gosh. And then he, after that, jumped on his chest. And And this kid lived? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He lived. And at one point... Um, they had talked about how uh, he had broke Thad's femur. and it's like impossible. Impossible, yeah. He said that, Thad had said that how he did that was he had stretched and pushed his leg like down back. as far as he could. Yeah, 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 back with all of his weight until it finally cracked. But oh he had gosh. to, like, jump in full force on it. This and, poor like, kid. Yeah. Aww. It's bad. And Thad, I mean, he clearly was a tough kid. And he had to be in total shock. Like, total yeah. shock. Yeah. 
Exactly. And for being a 13-year-old, I mean, you're already going through some changes in your life with moving recently with, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're a, a young kid. And to not know somebody and then have all of this happen, I just, I can't imagine. Um, and he constantly was trying to fight back and escape, but the tormenting just kept becoming more brutal all of the time. Um, Clark had pushed a pillow over Thad's face at one point to suffocate him. And like I was telling you, this, this kept on for 43 hours. And Clark would leave randomly. And Thad at that point was like, okay, I'm going to try whatever I can to get out of here. So he would like end up crawling to the edge of the stairs and he would throw himself down the stairs head first to try to get to the kitchen. Yeah. And he said that he ended up passing out a few times in the process of getting there from the pain. Imagine. Yeah. Well, at one point he woke up and he hadn't made it to the kitchen yet. And Clark had come home and found him like that and he brought him back upstairs and yeah you can about imagine oh no yeah it's like misery from stephen king that's kind of what went yeah. in my mind that yeah that is exactly what i was thinking too oh, oh. so we kind of have to think about what the ratio is with like you have Joe Clark, who is a 17-year-old, you know, he's not out of shape or anything, but, you know, he's a pretty lean, typical 17-year-old. And then you have Thad at 13, who is 90 pounds. I mean, there's a lot of... mm. And kept passing out. He kept getting worse and worse, clearly, um, as... We'll find out later that he was getting pretty close to just passing away. Um, He finally managed one night to get down the stairs after Clark had left. And he did get to the phone. He had to throw himself down the stairs again and he had to keep going. And he did pass out a few times. But luckily, this was still a time where... Houses had landlines, and the phone cord was long enough that he could pull it from on the floor and bring it down. Okay. Yeah. And even luckily, even more lucky for Thad, the numbers on the landline were on the phone itself. Goodness. I remember back in the day that, and I was going to ask, like, there's no way he would have known where he was. Right. And that was... And this is also kind of, I mean, somebody was looking out for him because he did dial 911 and all he said was, was he's with a kid named Joe Clark and he was attacked and that was literally all they needed because Joe had previous criminal records and apparently was a troubled child. Well, obviously, in this whole time, there were no parents either, so... No, exactly. So, 
after that, what happened was Joe went to a party and just left Thad there. In 30 minutes, they were able to get to the house and find Thad, and they immediately put him on the stretcher and went to the hospital. Um, They had finally found Thad at a party, or um, I'm sorry, Clark at a party, and they put him under arrest. And what Joe had said was, oh, he's still alive? Mm. Yeah. By the time that they got Thad to the hospital, the doctors had never seen anything like that. The only thing that they had said that has come close was, like you had said before, a car accident or a really bad, you know, um, like getting run work over accident. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking like heavy machinery or something like that. Yeah, Ugh. and they said that with all of the internal bleeding that was going on. He only, if they wouldn't have found him, he would have been dead in a couple hours. I can't imagine what his family was going through, too. You know, thinking, I think your first thought, too, as a parent is like, you know, it's two things. It's, did something happen to him? Did he run away? Like, not knowing mm-hmm. with the move? Like, was he upset? Right. And feeling that responsibility and just, ugh, that's such right. a long time. Yeah, it is. And, you know, they knew that Thad was not the kind of kid to just walk out. And that something was wrong. Well, they went to the hospital and Thad was like, you know, it was my brother's birthday and I just wanted to go home and see my family. And they were a very close-knit family to begin with. And so they really helped him get through the healing process. Um, by the time that they saw their son again, he had very large legs, um, from all of the bloating and infection and everything that came with the breaks. His, um, his ankles were swelled up to the size of softballs. Hmm. And remember, this is a 13 year old 90 pound kid. And his thighs and the rest of his legs were the size of basketballs. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And they were all discolored. And he's lucky that, I mean, he's he got to keep his legs, as far as I know. Um, but since he has had to have multiple surgeries and he still walks with a limp today, um, yeah, I would imagine. Well, yeah. then, you know, when you break bones in your legs, there's a good chance, depending on where the breaks are, that major artery in your leg yeah. can be punctured and you bleed out, you know, so fast. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. I want to say he's lucky. He is lucky to be alive. But man, the price of luck. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Yeah. And he never moved. He stayed in Baraboo. Hmm. And I mean, I kudos to him. I don't think I could have stayed. <laughs> no. And he I, wasn't the only kid, was he? No, he wasn't. And that was another thing I was going to touch on. So remember how Clark had told him that he had done this before? 
So there was a kid that this happened a year before Thad was abducted. Another kid around his age had gone missing. There was in in the summer of, I think it was the summer um, of 1994, 14-year-old Christian Steiner had disappeared from his home in Baraboo. And again, same story. Um, Chris was, the next day was starting a brand new job. And he was really excited to get going and starting. He was a very close-knit family with his parents. And they said that it was not like Chris to go out randomly and just leave the house, especially at night. Um, But what they did find was the window was open in the bedroom and there were muddy footprints in there. Mm, Not good. No. And he went missing. And later they would find his body broken hanging over a tree on the river. So he got away with that. He did. Yes. And they had to exhume Chris's body when the trial was taking place because, you know, that he, he had been waterlogged um, and there wasn't, you know, they just thought that he had drowned initially and just ended up on the, Yep. Log. Yeah. And come to find out, um, when they did exhume Chris's body, they found identical injuries to Thad's. And his legs actually had been mangled, and it prevented him from swimming. They don't know if he was thrown in alive or not. Oh, no. Yeah. So... Another thing to kind of dig in with this was Thad was a very unlucky child. Um, When things were going down with this court hearing and the trial, um, Thad was still recovering from things. Um, He was doing a little bit better than what he was. But... There had been an incident with another boy in Baraboo, um, which I'm going to cover. He, uh, Thad actually got shot. What? Yeah, um, after the fact. And I'm trying to find where that would have been. It was by another kid, too. Oh, my gosh. And this was during when they were awaiting trial. Um, let's see, um, it, in this note, it says right before Thad could testify against Clark, 15 year old Michael Hipsch shot Thad in the back. Thad did not pass from the wound, but the trial was delayed from it. Yeah. So how, yeah, I don't know if this kid was a friend of Joe's or what the case was. Um, but despite this, Clark eventually was found guilty. I think it might have been a way to try to delay things and help Joe out, potentially. Um, but Clark did end up receiving a 100-year sentence, and he was tried as an adult. Good. And later, yeah, because he should have been. 
Yeah. Um, later, when authorities discovered Clark's other victim, Chris, Clark, Clark's faced another sentence. Uh, they added 50 years to that sentence. So there's a good chance he's never getting out. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah. Because people do apparently get out after murdering people. Mm-hmm. As we've learned in previous episodes. Yeah. Oh, I don't understand. I don't understand how that is even a thing. But when authorities were going through Clark's house, they found other disturbing things. So one of the things that they had found that is very well known um, was Joe actually made lists of people. And they were all teenage boys that were younger and smaller. And they were, it was like in a chart of categories. And one said, wait, now, and then leg thing. Oh. Yeah. So he was calculating this stuff out for a while. Um. Uh, isn't there a interview with him too? There is, and I couldn't find a good quality one. Um, not but, that I care to hear him. No, but, exactly. But apparently, he didn't have any emotion. Yikes! Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just I don't have words for any of this. Uh, to this day. Clark maintains that he has no memory of what he did to Thad. That is a claim that he made in court, and he sticks to that. And he claims that he is innocent of Chris's death, despite the evidence against him. He later attempted to appeal some of his convictions based on lack of evidence, but the district court dismissed the case because there there really was enough evidence. Plenty of evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, surgeries and long-term medical care have helped Thad to walk and he is able to use his legs again, like I was saying. Um, but unfortunately, um, he still has a limp. He also sued Clark and won and the total payment was two or I'm sorry, $21 million. Well, Hopefully that would help to take care of him. Some of the medical bills and well, yeah, yeah. because it would be difficult to work and just not right. even not even just the physical, but like the mental. I yeah. So exactly that's good. I'm glad. Yeah, me too. I'm glad he made it out of there, and I feel horrible for Chris and his family because to not know what happened, and you know. Even in the 90s, up until the 90s and even now, a lot of cases when it comes to that age group of kids that go missing, they put it under the category of, oh, he's probably a runaway. Yeah. And um, kind of something that we should also know about Baraboo, um, because, I mean, we've we've heard the phrasing before, but uh, Baraboo, Wisconsin is actually one of the biggest, like, circus places like capital of the world they have like a circus museum and um it was a big big historical uh location for the ringling brothers back in the day so oftentimes when kids would go missing 
it was often said, oh, he ran away to join the circus. Because that's kind of where that stems from. Um, And they really kind of just gave up on it until this happened and come to find out. But Joe had said that he had done this a couple times before. So we found Chris, but who was the other person? And was that person alive or are they still a missing person? Someone missing. I'd be interested to see the missing persons in that area because obviously he was sticking to his hometown, you know, watching these people and... So there's probably someone around that time frame yep. that I bet you could find. Exactly. Because, yeah, it was all in Baraboo. And, I mean, how, you know, also you think about, okay, his family wasn't around. Um, and so when it came down to interviewing his mom, his mom was not helpful at all. So it makes you wonder... You know, if he had a brother, he's 17. Was he the oldest? I don't know um, of the kids, but there was clearly some neglect going on and kind of left to their own devices. And I, yeah, I'm with you. I'm assuming that he was doing this to animals well before he, you know, decided Uh, to try it. Yeah. What a horrible human. Yeah. And also, where the hell were his parents? Yeah. And I'm sure that was a contributing factor. Oh, definitely. How could it not be? Right. And this was going on for 43 hours and nobody came home? His girlfriend only came to visit him briefly? Like. Yeah. How do you not come home at all? Exactly. Even if you had a job that required you to. You know, you would be home at yeah, one at least, point. Like, at least someone at some point would show yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Especially with, you know, uh, I don't know. This is a, this case just leaves me speechless. I'm just very glad that Thad got out of there. Yeah. What willpower to just over and over throw yourself with such traumatic injuries and still throw yourself down the stairs and just yeah. to try to have a chance to survive. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, what a it. disgusting case. Uh, yeah. Very disturbing. And like I said, I had never heard about this until uh our our listener Tamsin B suggested it to us because I mean, this is just shocking to me. And I'm like, this is, you know, I was alive. <laughs> yeah. You know, this would have been, I would have been a teenager. Yeah. I was the same age as Chris. Yeah. And I'd never heard of it, even living in Indiana. Um, right. I think the big news back then was Dahmer. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe. Maybe that was why nobody really heard about it because it, this probably got shoveled under the, you know. Well, to- that and this person was 
a teenager. So sometimes yeah. they don't report as much, even though he was tried as an adult. Sometimes they kind of like have to be careful about what they put in the media with him being underage. Technically that probably right. was a big part of it. Right. Exactly. Ugh. And they're just kind of as a, a bonus, something that I didn't mention earlier. Cause I mean, we covered a lot of gruesome things, but um, even though Clark had the nice side and the bad side, um, even when he was still being the friendly Clark, he was making Thad walk on his broken legs. And then he would try to dress up the wounds a little bit with like socks and stuff like that. Ugh. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. I feel absolutely horrible. Oh, these are macabre. We've this covered- is why we... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is why we covered- call it macabre. We've covered some doozies. Oh, I think I need a stiff drink after that one. Yes. I may do that later, actually. <laughs> oh, fucking wolf. I... I oh. Yeah. Well, I I hope, listeners, that you <laughs> stuck with us and that all of you kept your uh, your food inside of your tummy if you were eating. Yes. Um, yeah. This this case is insane, and if you haven't heard about it, or if you have, let us know. If you remember hearing anything about this on the news. Give us a shout. We want to hear about this because I I'm very curious. I want to do some digging and ask around in my family even to see if they remember this. Yeah, um, I certainly did not. I'm curious with other people that are in Wisconsin, which a lot of your friends and family are. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you listeners have any stories you want us to cover. We could probably cover a lot of things under the macabre topic. Not necessarily. Yeah. Ha- it doesn't have to be true crime. It could be yeah. a could weird. Be maybe there's some weird invention in your town or a weird incident like the headlines. Um, yeah, it could be a lot of things. Yeah. We want to hear it from you. Exactly. It doesn't have to be things that make you not want to um, eat for a while. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm like, it's about lunchtime. I did have yeah. a snack. I'm glad I had the snack before we started. Oh, um, yeah. I did. Now... Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now not, not hungry. so much. Yeah. Well, I guess that is how we have to end it. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. It's been real, but uh, we gotta uh, go. We have to go now, and I think um, I think we need to just huddle for a second and uh, catch a breath and take a deep breath. (laughs) 